The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. And I want to thank all of you that are out there listening uh, today. We're glad that you're joining us. I know that we have listeners all across the U.S. and around the world, and we are very glad that you are tuning in to Spirit of Recovery and listening to Unity.fm. We love getting your comments on Facebook and love hearing from you by email, so feel free to do that. Visit our Facebook page and um, send us an email at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. Thank you also for letting your friends and the people that are in your recovery and spiritual community circles know about our show. We uh, find that our listenership is growing and it's exciting um, to be welcoming new listeners and we know that that's through you uh, by word of mouth, by letting people know. So keep spreading the word about the spirit of recovery. It's a lot of fun to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery here on unity.fm And um, it's great to know that we're touching your heart, that we're opening up your mind and opening up new possibilities and new avenues for uh, recovery ideas, for different modalities, different tools that can be supportive of you in your recovery and in your healing and growth process. Every week we talk about topics that are important to the recovery community and our guests are always people who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative They're either people who are in recovery themselves or people who work with or write for recovering people or people who have spiritual insights that are of value to people in recovery. We're bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. The spirit of recovery is a welcoming place. We know that recovery is a big tent, and so if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're a family member that's in your own recovery as a family member, or if you're a family member or friend of somebody with the disease of addiction, whether or not they're in recovery, or whether you're somebody that's simply curious about the process of recovery and you'd just like some more information and insight into that, know that you are welcome here. We welcome you as a listener, and we certainly welcome you as a participant. We'd be happy to get an email comment or question from you or for you to call in to participate in our discussion. The number that you can call in uh, to ask a question or make a comment is 888-558-6489. And another way to remember that number is the same number is 888-55-UNITY. And our email address is spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. And we do get those emails during the program. So, again, we'd be happy to have your comments or questions. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister and a trained addictions counselor. Also, I'm a person that has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And 30 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and recovery and spiritual development. And ever since that time, my walk has been an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles. And that walk keeps richly transforming my life and it keeps me growing 
in ever deeper ways. So I am very grateful and very delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas and to share the guests. Um, we have such wonderful guests here. and You're going to love our guests uh, today as, as you love all the other ones that we've had. It's great to be able to share this with you. On every show, also, we do have a drawing, and we give away a book. These books are recovery-oriented. They've been donated to Spirit of Recovery by Hazelden Foundation. It's a nonprofit foundation, and um, their website is www.hazelden.org. And the book for today is called The Easy Does It Relationship Guide for People in Recovery, and it's by Mary Faulkner. And so if you're interested in this book today, we'd love to put your name in the drawing and we'd uh, love to get an email from you or you can call in at any time and we'll put your name in the drawing for the Easy Does It Relationship Guide. There's lots of good information in there. So today our topic is Dancing with Spirit and joining me is my guest Liz T. And Liz began her journey to health and healing in the 1980s. When she was a teenager, she discovered the art of meditation and the music of Gabrielle Roth. Liz brings a background in shamanic and energetic healing, as well as a legacy of spiritual leadership. Today, she's the co-owner, with the love of her life, of Wave Studio in Olympia, and she's a teacher of the Five Rhythms Method of Dance. The Five Rhythms has been her daily practice for over a decade She brings compassion and humor and humility and a depth of discernment born of thousands of deep dances. She knows what it is to be a dancing spirit inside a body that doesn't always cooperate. And she has helped to birth and grow one of the strongest dance communities in the world. And they have uh, recently rebuilt this into a beautiful sacred space that is Wave Studio. And so Liz is going to be sharing with us today how she dances with spirit. Liz, thank you so much for joining us today on Spirit of Recovery. Oh, thank you for having me, Anna. It's, it's a delightful to be here. Good. I'm glad. Thank you for uh, saying yes to being a guest. And I know you have so much uh, to share with us. I know that your journey uh, is rich and full and that you have danced a thousand dances, uh, dances of your soul. Mm. Tell us how you started dancing. Well, I... My mom would say I started dancing in my crib. So for me, dancing uh, mostly by myself in my living room uh, was a regular practice as I was growing up. I used to uh, put movement in motion to the stories of my life and uh, the stories and the songs that I would listen to and hear. Um, One of my favorite was dancing to uh, the opera Jesus Christ Superstar as I grew up. And uh, it was a great way for me to relate to um, the mythology that I was being taught in the church because I grew up in a very spiritual home and both of my parents are very involved in the Methodist church. So I think dance was always a way for me to uh, bring it home and make it real. Uh, So that's that's the the first step. And then really as an adult, uh, I found dance as a spiritual practice uh, when my yoga teacher actually took me to a dance class that was here in Olympia. Um, and that was the first experience of being in a room of other people who were dancing, How well, however they were dancing. I think different people come to the Five Rhythms practice for different reasons. And for me, when I hit the dance floor and started moving, it was like I'd come home. I just had come home and, and found myself and my body and my spirit, and I reconnected that first night that I was dancing. I reconnected with that spiritual awakening that I'd experienced as a child. What was it about that, that dance that, that connected you with, with a spiritual awakening? I think sometimes we don't think of, uh, in the West, we don't think of dance so much as a spiritual practice. And other cultures do, but in the West, we've, it's almost like we've divorced it from spirituality in some ways. So how did that how did that fit together with you that first time that you danced that night? Well, I think the first the first time I really recognized dance as a spiritual experience was because I had a visceral experience. As I was moving and dancing, something broke free. Something opened up, a doorway. 
uh, opened in, in my awareness, and I had a visceral experience of what I call God. I had like an, an aha moment, an awakening, an experience of, oh, and, it, and I could feel it. And that for me was really important because at the time I was, I was searching, at the time I was open and willing to experience um, something deeper and more expanded in my life, but I didn't know how to get there. And, and I'd started the path with yoga and meditation, and I, I think I was kind of um, prepping the gateway through those experiences. I studied yoga for a year, and I was, I was having some deep and meaningful experiences. But when I really hit the dance floor and, and really viscerally opened up, that was when I had the aha awakening. I know one of the the ideas that you uh, talk about in your practice and as a teacher of a, a, a meditative or a, I don't know if it's not really a meditative, but of this dance practice, the five rhythms, is that it's not about enlightenment of the mind, but about embodiment of the self. Yes. Tell us about that. How does that work? Well, I think it works on a lot of different levels for different people and uh just like recovery, you have so many different stories of how people reach that. <laughs> but um, for me, and in this dance practice, we are looking to embody. Uh, it's really about how can we, for me, I'll, I'll speak for myself, how can I practice moving in the world? How can I practice relating to the people in my life? How can I practice really living, being in each moment? so that I'm really in true relationship to what's happening around me, not what I think is happening or what I'm projecting happening, um, but really being honest and real in each moment. And that takes a, a sense of self that really does come, that is integrated with the, with the physical self that's not separated. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's really key, and I'm glad that you brought it back to that, that I think so often, particularly in spiritual practice, we can get divorced um, from, like, our, we can think about or intellectualize our spiritual experience. And for me, that's why it was so important to, to dance, because then I was really physicalizing it and embodying it in my body. And I think the dance floor is a great place for that. It's a container. Um, it's a safe and sacred space that I can try things on and practice it and really feel it. And then when I leave the dance floor and go out in the world, I can really walk my experience. I can take that experience from the dance floor into my life and use it. I can use it with the people I meet. I can use it with the problems that arrive in my life. I can use it to um, be a better person, be a better mom, be uh, more available in my relationships. I can use it in so many ways. And, and to me, that's really what embodiment is. You know, one thing that uh, comes to mind to me when you're talking about this, uh, the word I would use, it's almost that dance makes you more honest. Does that fit? That fits. That definitely fits. I think, you know, the body can't lie. That's one of the things I often say to myself and say to others. Uh, there's something about a body that's moving that is in relationship to itself and relationship to others. The body speaks. And because we're using the body, a lot of times we are um, uncovering the way that we might have previously hidden. So when the body starts moving, it, it really has to get honest. I, I think that there's no other way. Certainly I've seen people... Um, hold back or, or feel awkward as they start dancing or, or maybe hit a place in their dance where they're uncomfortable. But even that is speaking truth because discomfort is um, it's, it's very transparent. It can be transparent. Watching a body moving in the room, in the world, uh, tells us a lot about ourselves and about each other. So it's beautiful to do with other people. You know, one thing I'm um, thinking of uh, that might be uh, interesting is that I know that you're not talking about performance. This isn't 
performance dance. This is a different kind of a sense of what dance is. Could you describe that? Well, it's very personal. I think every experience on the dance floor, you could have 50, 100 people in the room, and everybody in that room is, even though they're having a collective experience, they're each having their own experience and probably experiencing different aspects of of what's being um, the theme that might be held in that in that workshop or dance class. It is definitely not about performance, though I have taken this practice into performance to try to articulate what it can be like. Uh, but it's always a tricky place because the, the Five Rhythms dance was really meant to be for uh, the individual experience. There are, is no dogma. There's no particular steps to learn. There's no way to do it right or wrong. It is a practice, a living, breathing, moving practice that people engage themselves into, and, and it evolves. You know, it, as it, it dances, it changes, it moves, and it's going to be different every time. So I could hit the dance floor and, and dance to a piece of music one day and the next day dance to that same piece of music and it would be an entirely different experience. I know that part of, as you've talked about earlier today, that the that obviously this dance is a, a big part of your spiritual practice a big part of your own spiritual development, um, maybe part of your healing process. How have you changed because of the dance? Uh, how have I changed? I, in so many ways, I, one of my teachers used to call me the poster child for five rhythms because <laughs> I'd gone through such a powerful transformation um, once I really took the practice on and, and started working um, with the rhythms. So I think before I came to the dance, I was pretty shut down. I was fairly divorced from my body and, and the way my body moved, not just how it physically moved, but also how I moved in the world. I think I had a lot more fear and anger. I, I certainly harbored a lot of resentments. Um, I tended to hold on to things. And in the dance, I really learned how to surrender and let go to something that was bigger than me. Um, I trusted. In some way, I deeply trusted the process of the dance. And I trusted the rhythms. That, that's the thing I love about the rhythms. It's, it's not about the teacher or any particular ego character that's holding the space. It's really about the dance. That's what we were surrendering ourselves to when we get on the dance floor and start moving. And to me, I could completely let go and release into that experience of, of moving, of dancing, of being a free spirit inside of a body. Um, so that, I think that helped me to unravel um, the places that I was holding on to, the places I was blocked physically and energetically, um, it helped me to heal relationships that I was in that wasn't working well. And it transformed me into a person that was a lot more accessible and more generous, not just physically, monetarily generous, but just generous in my ability to show up and be with people in different experiences. Uh, yeah, I learned how to um, to show up in places in relationships in, in moments in life that were really challenging and difficult, where in the past I probably would have run away or turned away from them or kind of shut down or controlled the situation. So that was a big healing for me in the Five Rhythms dance. Liz, thank you so much for uh, sharing this with us. It's time to take a break right now. We'll be back in just a minute, and we'll be starting with the Serenity Minute. Meanwhile, if you've got a question or a comment for Liz, please give us a call at 888-55-UNITY or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We'll be right back. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. 
Working at Unity Village is more than just a good job. It's good work. We're a not-for-profit organization that helps people around the globe live more abundant and meaningful lives. Our work environment is unique in keeping with the heritage of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, visionary founders of the Unity Movement. At the same time, Unity is a 21st century workplace. Job seekers will find plenty of challenges in a wide range of specialties, from information technology to culinary arts, communications to publishing, prayer ministry to retreats and more. Employees are eligible for a variety of perks and benefits, including a campus setting with year-round activities and a four-day work week in many departments. To see what employment opportunities await you, visit us at unityjobs.org and apply today. Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard, isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists discussing things like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care. Yeah, but they'll all be Unity people, right? Oh, no, no, no. He has a list of upcoming guests that sounds like a roll call of the Interfaith Council. Rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? Better. He's going to introduce a topic and let them go for it. Imagine having a rabbi and a Catholic priest talking about Jesus as a Jew, or asking a biblical literalist to explain creationism to a liberal Christian Bible scholar. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he'll keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So, let's talk about it. Definitely, let's. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're really glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Dancing with Spirit. And my guest is Liz T. And Liz is the co-owner of Wave Studio in Olympia, Washington, and she uh, practices a, a spiritual practice of dance called the Five Rhythms. That's been her daily spiritual practice for over a decade. And she is sharing with us how it is a spiritual practice for her and how it uh, is a healing practice and it's an embodying practice. But before Liz and I continue our conversation, I invite you to join me as we take a moment to center ourselves in peace of mind in the Serenity Minute. So I invite you to take a moment to relax to take a breath, to let yourself release tension, and to focus on this constructive idea and allow yourself to be refreshed by the spirit that lives as you. The constructive idea for today is, Today I let my spirit dance, flowing with God's energy and peace. Today I let my spirit dance, flowing with God's energy and peace. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And I trust that you do feel refreshed and deepened and in greater contact with that higher power that lives within you. And so now we're back with my guest, Liz T., and we're talking about Dancing with Spirit. This is a great time to give us a call or send us an email. That phone number is 888-558-6489, and the email is spiritofrecovery at unity.fm, and we do get the emails during the show, and of course we get the phone calls during the show. We'd be happy to hear a question or comment, or we'll put your name in the drawing for the book 
And today's book, donated by Hazelden Foundation, is the Easy Does It Relationship Guide for People in Recovery. So, and a big thanks to Hazelden for donating books to us. So now we're back with Liz. And uh, Liz, you were telling us some very interesting uh, ideas before we took the break there about um, how dance works for you and, and why it is such a healing spiritual practice. And one thing that comes to mind for me is that um, in many wisdom paths along the world, they, they may use different modalities. Uh, as you've already mentioned some today, meditation, prayer. Um, we know music is a form in, in many cultures, maybe chanting or singing. Um, and there's a, I'm going to call it a uniquely Western uh, spiritual practice called the 12 Steps, uh, which have been around for over 60 years now, um, started by Alcoholics Anonymous. And they are also a wisdom path. Are there any ways that you find that this dance practice uh, meshes or melds or integrates with those steps as a wisdom path? Yes, yes, I, I do. I think I think that the 12 Steps, there's a reason why it's it's been around and, and been so effective and spread so far throughout the world and so many people have received a serenity um, through using those steps. And and as I was reviewing the, the steps um, in relationship to the five rhythms, I think there are a lot of ways that they are different, but there's something that's very true for me when I look at the 12 steps, that there's an energetic uh, rhythm or flow, a uh, movement through the process of taking those 12 steps. And I was looking, the first three steps uh, to me really relate to the rhythm of flowing, which is the first rhythm in a five rhythms wave. Um, I think, you know, the 12 steps are about uh, being willing, um, like, like I have to be willing to step onto the dance floor and put my body into motion. It's uh, about having some faith that there's a reason why I'm doing this, <laughs> why I'm taking this journey. Um, and, and there's even a bit of a surrender in, in those first three steps, in that, in that first rhythm of, of putting your body into motion in the dance, that we, that we have to enter into, into the experience. Um, and that prepares us for the journey. So, and then when I look at steps like four and five, Particularly, I, I see it how the rhythm of staccato comes into play. Staccato energy is is the is looking at sh- how we show up. Actually, staccato is the energy of showing up. It's the energy of being out in the world. Making and that's decisions. one of the rhythms. So staccato that's one, one of the rhythms. rhythms. It's the second mm-hmm. rhythm in the wave. Mm-hmm. Staccato. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that so that showing up, making decisions, choices in our lives. Um, and when I start dancing staccato, I start thinking, it's almost like taking inventory. <laughs> like, oh, yes, this is how I move in the world. This is how I show up. This is how I relate. This is the way I say things. Um, this, that's the rhythm of staccato for me. Um, and then the, the fifth rhythm in the dance, the wave, is, is chaos. It's the rhythm of surrendering and letting go. And um, so, that's, you know, so that's steps uh, six, seven, and, and eight, really. Um, where we start to really turn ourselves over to a power greater than us. Um, we ask uh, to be guided. I often, in, in the rhythm of chaos, I'm, I'm surrendering my body to the dance and I'm asking spirit to guide me through uh, that chaotic energy. Um, and, and I'm turning myself over to that, that bigger rhythm, that bigger energy, that bigger um, connection with source. And then that delivers me into my maturity, which I think is what um, steps nine and ten, you know, you know, eight, nine, and ten are about, is stepping into that maturity, um, being able to show up to life in a bigger way, um, being able to see beyond myself, to see a broader um, spectrum, a a broader, like being able, like in the rhythm of lyrical when I'm dancing, I often am delivered into a space that I can look out across the room and see more clearly. I can see the people I'm dancing with. I can see 
um, what's in front of me, what's behind me, what's beside me. With, with, uh, it's like the blinders have been removed and I can see more broadly. And then the last rhythm in the dance is stillness. And to me, that's, you know, that's like really steps 10, 11, and 12. Uh, 12's kind of maybe even partly when I leave the dance floor and go out in my life. But, um, you know, that rhythm is when we commune with spirit uh, you know, it's like I can, I settle into this new place of my being. I, I relate to uh, this way that I've spiritually opened, and I start to really prepare myself to move into the world with that greater sense of ease and grace that when I'm embodying spirit, I really feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, as you're talking, one thing that stands out to me is how, any type of an addiction or any way that um, lack of spiritual maturity, whatever you want to call it, is really a disintegrating force. It disintegrates us from ourselves, from our bodies, from our integrity, and it disintegrates us from community. And what I hear you describing as you went through the 12 steps as related to the five rhythms of the dance is an integration process or a coming together on all those different levels. Absolutely. That is so beautiful. That Yes, uh, I think many times in life we disintegrate, we separate, we divide, we isolate. And dance is, for me and, and for many people, is really the process of integrating, integrating with ourselves, integrating with our psyches, integrating with our body, the way our body can move, or even integrating how our bodies can't move. You know, any, anybody can do this dance. So, it, it, you know, and I've danced through injuries and I've danced through surgeries and, you know, that, that part where you read earlier in my bio about how I've um, danced with a body that doesn't always cooperate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've experienced mm-hmm. that, like, oh, I feel separate from my own body. <laughs> and dancing really enables me to connect and have compassion for those parts of myself that I might have pushed away or ignored or denied. Um, same thing for my relationships. You know, dancing with other people on the dance floor um, help to embody those relationships maybe that I'm living right now or from my past that maybe weren't as fun or, um, or maybe relationships that might have been painful in the past, in the dance, I can, re- I can dance with those relationships. I can use my partners in the dance to help me come to peace or help me practice being in that dance with someone who might be challenging to me. Um, and, and that is what helps me finally bring it in and integrate it. And I feel more, I feel whole when I do that. I feel like I come to a place of wholeness in myself and in my life. So when you're dancing, for example, uh, do you bring to mind like, oh, there's a specific relationship that's bothered me and I'm going to dance with that and you're consciously holding that in your mind or not? How does it work? How does the pr- yeah, process it de- work? Well, it definitely can be that um, that specific, it, particularly when we get to the maps. There are five different rhythms in the five rhythms, and each of those rhythms also represent a different map. So there's the physical map, then there's the emotional map of how the emotional energy moves through our bodies, then there's a developmental map, which we call cycles. And so that map really relates to what we were just talking about. It's, it's the map like where we specifically go into the territory of how we were born, how we grew up, how we went through adolescence, how we mature, and eventually how we, how we die, how we make that last transition. So that's the life cycle, and we use the five rhythms dance as a way to relate to that life cycle. So there were definitely times um, with, with master teachers where I have gone into that territory of uh, <laughs> working with my childhood and relating different parts of my relationships to my mother or my father um, that needed some healing, and, and I use dance as the way to to experience that in a way that I could then integrate it and make peace with it. 
what you're talking about in, at one level is acceptance, which is certainly a big uh, concept in recovery and a good, important part of it. Acceptance of what is, and then instead of pushing it away, accepting the fact that it is what it is, and then making some choices about what you're going to do about it. Exactly. Yeah, I think dance has many different motions, and you can bring it right down to the physical level of, I'm going to move towards it, or I'm going to move away from it. <laughs> and, and, but because we're dancing bodies, we do make that choice. It's a very uh, physical. It can, it can just be as simple as that. You know, keep it simple. Keep it physical. Can I move towards this experience, or, sh- or should I? Can I move away from this experience? Um, and, and the acceptance comes from dancing through all the different parts of that. Like that's, it's not just black and white. There's a lot of gray area in there. And so dance, this experience of dance as spiritual practice has helped me to find myself in those gray areas um, and, and to enlighten myself in the black and white. I'm thinking it takes a lot of courage to do the dance. You you really revealed to yourself. You can be. I mean, certainly there certainly, you know, you can just go to the dance floor and, and have a lot of fun too. That's one way to do it. Um, but for somebody like myself who tends to take life rather seriously <laughs> I uh yeah, I, I think courage, I think it does take some courage. Um, willingness first and then courage to keep moving through. I think, you know, it's, it's easy to um, start moving into something and then feel overwhelmed or scared or angry or whatever might come up and then, and then stop. You know, sometimes people just stop. And don't continue that dance all the way in and through. And um, I think that's why, I think it's why one of the things that I've really discovered in the dance that um, I can move, I can't, I have a greater capacity for moving in, to, and through something in my life. I know that... um Perfectionism is also a part of uh, any kind of an addiction or any kind of a, a lack of spiritual maturity. There's no room for perfectionism in this dance. You're you're out there. <laughs> you're out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I have a saying. I like to say people to people. There's no way to do this right, and there's no way to do it wrong. Um, and certainly, you know, there, there was, I laughed because there was a time when I was all about perfectionism and I was going to be the best dancer on the dance floor. I was really going to show my stuff and, uh, and, and show off or whatever it was. And it, it was fairly egoic. Um, but I, it, part of the dance really helped to reveal that part of myself. And it wasn't necessarily pretty when I finally saw that and recognized that in myself. But by the time I got to that place, I mean, by the time I, I'd done my dances and gotten to that place of, of working with my ego, I had a lot of experience under my feet, so to speak. Um, and, and I was working with the mirrors map in the Five Rhythms uh, program. And, and we were kind of, you know, there were times when we were really, really playful uh, with our egos. Uh, Gabrielle Roth, my teacher, explains... Um, you know, has us look at egos as, as theater. Like these are the different characters of ourselves that come out to play uh, and like to take the stage. And so in that sense, we're perfectly perfect ourselves. Like we're, we're <laughs> there's the perfectionism. We're already perfect. We're perfect as we are. And, and the, the key is to see what it is that we're doing and how we're uh, playing and, and how we're dancing in life and then be able to step out of that and witness it, witness it, and um, and direct direct the show, you know, for for a greater good. I think ultimately we're doing this for a greater good. So there's a lot of compassion and playfulness, and and not condemnation. It seems like the condemnation just makes that uh, 
egoic self get bigger and scareder and wants to hang on more. But this sounds like a very playful way of uh, acceptance. Yeah, it it can be. It can be, and you know, not to say that there aren't times when it's hard too, because it, it's all it's just like life. You know, it's it can be uh, challenging sometimes too. But yeah, the con- no, I don't think there's any room for condemnation. Mm-hmm. Liz, thank you so much. It's time for uh, another break here, but I appreciate uh, your the joy. I can hear the joy in your voice. Thanks for telling us about the dance and it's exciting stuff. My pleasure. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail, all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your host, Dale Worley, is alive with the Spirit of God each Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Dancing with Spirit, and my guest is Liz T. Liz uh, dances the five rhythms of uh, Gabrielle Roth. It's a spiritual practice that uses dance to embody our spirituality and allows us to move through that uh, a healing process and to really to engage with life in profound and powerful ways. And Liz has been uh, sharing with us how the dance has uh affects her life and how it's uh, changed her life in, in lots of wonderful ways, bring, bringing her into a greater presence. And she's talked with us about how the wisdom path of the 12 steps can flow along with, with the flow of the rhythms of the dance. Liz, you are, in addition to practicing this uh, yourself, the five rhythms, you are a teacher and, and a co-owner of a studio where you work with people on a daily basis on using the dance what do you gain from teaching? Oh, what do I gain from teaching? Wow, a, a lot. I think it's a very deep experience of an extension of my five rhythms dancing practice. Um, I there is something very sacred in stepping into the role of, of holding space and stepping into the role of being a teacher in this practice or in any practice, really. Uh, 
there is a, a particular place where people who start moving, when, they, when people start moving, they naturally become more vulnerable and open and transparent, like we were talking about before. And when people start moving in that way and start opening up, there's a, there's a sacred trust that then uh, I think has to be maintained. And, and for me, the only way I can really do that is to get grounded and rooted in my spiritual awareness and in my dance practice and in my spiritual practices uh, that hold me. And, and in that way, basically, I'm, I'm stepping out of the way and I'm becoming a conduit for the experience. Something else is, is moving through me, and I would call it spirit. So I, I step out of the way and spirit moves through me. I become a conduit for, um, for whatever is being transmitted. And, and, and um, so that, I mean, that is just a huge experience to, to viscerally step into that, and I can feel it. It's, for me, you know, spirituality is a visceral experience. So every time I step on the dance floor to teach, I am transformed. What are some things that you've seen happen in people's lives, especially people that might be in a conscious recovery process um, and also are, are using the dance as one of the tools? What have you seen happen for them? You know, I've seen anything from people recognizing that they were in need of a major transformation in their life and in, in, in making a, a really different choice in how they were living and transforming their lives and a, into a pathway that was more in alignment with spirit. Uh, I, I've seen that dramatic of a change in people's lives. Um, I've seen smaller changes where... Uh, even at the end of, of a two-hour dance class, somebody has come to a deeper sense of peace and serenity, of, of unity within themselves around a particular problem or issue where it just feels like they moved and danced it all the way through its completion and, and now they feel completely integrated and able to move on in their life. Um, I've also seen people physically... Uh, heal themselves through moving energy in their body, moving energy and opening up places where they might have been stuck or blocked to actually heal something in their body. Um, so it's, it's, it's profound. It's, it's, I've seen people change in, in so many different layers and in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Like any other modality, you know, uh, it probably doesn't really work for everybody. What, have you seen people that we didn't really, it wasn't effective for, or maybe it just dance wasn't, just didn't work for them somehow? Yeah, I mean, five rhythms is, and the wave is, is, is a natural flow. <laughs> I often think of the ebb and flow. You know, people come in and they go back out. Um, people step in, get their toes wet. Uh, other people dive in deep and swim around for a really long time and come back out refreshed, completely transformed on the other side. Uh, I've seen it all. I think, you know, for some people, uh, movement, sometimes movement can be too too vulnerable. You know, there's too too much at stake for them to really move and be seen. And I think people have to be ready um, and willing. And so sometimes people come in and... And they're just not, they're not ready. You know, there's, there's too many things in the way, too many blocks. Um, so I think, I think people have to feel comfortable enough and, and safe enough to, uh, to take a step in and to take on the practice or at least take on themselves, take on their own bodies moving. Um, so, and then, and then in the rare case, if people really have a, a mental challenge, it can actually not be a good thing for them to do. Uh, it can be too cathartic. And so, so there, so, but most people, I think most people, most any time, anybody who steps in the room could really benefit from this practice, but um, they have to be willing to take the step in. Right. One thing I'm curious about, I, I, 
I have no idea. Is this? Have you ever used this with uh, like intact groups, like a family or like an organization that was working through some of their organizational issues, and they all got together and danced or not? Is, have you ever done that? I have so wanted to do that, and that's maybe something we, you and I should talk about more in the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. I haven't done that uh, specifically with an organization. I've done it with small groups, um, like like um, small groups of choice who are bringing themselves together. I, I've done movement, so with small groups, but not um, not in the way that you're talking about. M- more mm-hmm. so, I've done it with individuals uh, that want to go through a transformation, and I've done it with our community. I mean, I guess in one sense it is true to say that I've held this community as it's moved and trans- transformed and transitioned through a lot of different changes. That you know, A community that's almost 12 years old has been through a lot of different changes. So, um, but not not an, an outside organization. I think I'd love to do that in the future. I'd love to work with families in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of that 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 old uh, saying: the family that prays together stays together. I wonder if the family that dances together <laughs> stays together. Or something. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I would love that. I don't know. My daughter might be listening to this, and she's probably scoffing. <laughs> 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 it's so funny because kids, you know, kids move energy faster. I think they move energy so much faster than adults who have a lot of baggage, and we tend to hold on and move kind of slower. Um, kids are ready in, and, and move through the experience so much faster. Um, but I, I just recently spent a month uh, teaching Five Rhythms to a middle school uh, class, and and I really had to teach it in a very different way. So. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure there are five rhythms teachers out there that work with families. I know that there are. I, I just don't have my personal experience with it. Mm-hmm. What was that like to teach the middle schoolers? How is it different than with adults? <laughs> uh, in some ways, it was similar. <laughs> but uh, the well, I think there was a place with the the kids um, because I was teaching boys and girls seventh and eighth graders, and then eventually we brought in the sixth graders. Uh, but I think y- there was a little bit of, um, they're so self-conscious, you know, they're it, it just painfully self-conscious. And there was one uh, boy in, in the class who I could see in his body, it, he was so stiff, it was almost like he had this cover of shame just all over him, like, like he just couldn't move because he was just so ashamed to be dancing. And then I and I just very carefully held the space for him and encouraged him and made it, you know, okay for him to to not. I mean, there were times when he had to literally leave the room. Uh, and he'd come back in and he'd keep coming back, and things started to shift and change in him. It was just amazing to see. And and then one day I looked up and we were all moving, and he was smiling and enjoying himself. And his body was so much more free. Like you could see it all the way out his arms and out his fingertips and down his legs and out his feet. And I was like, wow, what a huge transformation to go to in just, I don't know, four, four hours, you know, four, four different classes, one hour at a time. Uh, yeah, that was really fun. So, I, you know, and I've seen adults do the same thing. But um, that's not really answering your question, but that just reminded me. Uh, there were times when it was challenging just because of... Uh, um, you know, the structure of being a kid and and wanting to talk and chat. And usually when I work with adults, we don't talk. We don't actually talk on the dance floor. We let our bodies do the talking. But with the kids, they wanted to talk all the time. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun, but it was definitely very different. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, one thing uh, I know that uh, part of the dance is that the idea that humanity is greater than the individual self how does that relate to the, the dance? Say that again. Humanity is greater. Is greater, greater than the individual self so that when, when you're dancing, you're really accessing your, your larger humanity, what connects you to other people. Oh, I'm, just, I'm having this um, memory of 
you know, after I've danced through a wave, all five rhythms, and I, I'm, well, I'm coming into the last rhythm stillness, I'm definitely feeling that connection where I am so much more than just one body. You know, we are all divinely connected. Energy moves through all of us and connects all of us together. And I think that's why I dance because, you know, as I, sometimes when I just live my life, I forget that I'm connected. And so for me, dancing helps me to feel that connection again, that, yeah, we are much greater than any one individual. Liz, our time is up. I want to thank you uh, so deeply for sharing with us today, and thank you for for dancing. If people wanted to just learn more about dancing as a spiritual practice, could you tell us where they could find out about that? You could, um, I would, I would ask people to go to GabrielleRoth.com. Gabrielle Roth is my teacher, and, and there is a, quite a bit of information and some nice video about the five rhythms practice, and you might be able to find a teacher in your area, whether you are in the United States or around the world. There are lots of teachers who are living and breathing this practice. It's different Great. everywhere you go. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I want to thank all of our listeners for um, being with us today. And um, join us next Tuesday. The topic is going to be Gifts from the Dark. And my guest will be Douglas Block. Uh, Douglas describes his debilitating depression as feeling like he was trapped in a dark tunnel with both ends sealed off. And from that uh, dark experience that he had, he has developed a way combining spirituality, the love of friends, nutrition, and mental health therapy into a practice that supports him in recovering from depression. And he's an author of many books. Um, and I know that you want to join us next week to hear Douglas and what he has to share with us about the gifts that he's gotten from the dark. Again, Liz, thank you so much for being with us today. And all our listeners know that you're in my prayers. You are blessed, and I see you dancing with spirit. God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Working at Unity Village is more than just a good job. It's good work. We're a not-for-profit organization that helps people around the globe live more abundant and meaningful lives. Our work environment is unique in keeping with the heritage of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, visionary founders of the Unity Movement. At the same time, Unity is a 21st century workplace. Job seekers will find plenty of challenges in a wide range of specialties, from information technology to culinary arts, communications to publishing, prayer ministry to retreats, and more. Employees are eligible for a variety of perks and benefits, including a campus setting with year-round activities and a four-day work week in many departments. To see what employment opportunities await you, visit us at unityjobs.org and apply today. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Rev. Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. 
I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.